London. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. Good morning and welcome in. Miller and Condon on the air with you here on a Thursday. Trent Condon not joined by Ken Miller today. He is off. He'll be back at it though on tomorrow's program. So we go to the bullpen and we bring in our ace, our closer, yeah. our man. Yeah. He is the one and only Ross Peterson. Ross, good to see you. What's the, happening? The crafty righty. Crafty. Yeah. You got, you got the lanky frame. I've got no heat. All right? Junk ball? No junk ball. But I, here's it's the mind trick. Okay. okay. Ken, I, I was explaining this to uh, Trent the other day. I was explaining this to uh, to my son. That I, I could never throw any pitch besides a straight, slow ball that we actually called a gravity ball. It went so slow that gravity <laughs> eventually pulled it down. Uh-huh. But I could trick, when I was like 9, 10 years old, I'd trick everybody because I'd stand there and I'd shake the catcher off. Uh-huh. And then the guy at the plate would be like, he's got a lot of pitches. He shook the catcher off three times. Who's got four pitches at 9 years old? And it was just the same pitch over and over and over. And then eventually guys figured that out and I sucked at baseball. Crafty. Crafty righty coming out of the bullpen. You're, you get about, here's the deal, you're going to get two good batters out of me. That's why this new rule would really suck for a, a, ah, a guy like yeah. me. Because... Uh, that third guy, he's he's got a couple of pitches to sit there and watch, and he's just going to tee off, and then it's uh, game over. Uh, but you're going to get two good pitches out of me. So I'd say you've got until about 10-17. 10-17. Yeah, then and, it's all going to go to, to pot. Well, well, we'll see if we can even get to that point, because some <laughs> right. days uh, it certainly it ends before we even get to that point. As we continue on here, what, 70-some days now without sports, and it, there has been... Little droplets that have happened, but we're both big baseball guys, and I want to talk a lot of baseball with you. Let's do it, man. Coming up on the BMW Des Moines guest list today, we're going to talk with Scott Miller, longtime national baseball writer, CBS for a number of years. Now he's the national writer at Bleacher Report. Always love the conversation. He worked for the Star Tribune for a number of years, so like to talk to him about the Twins, one of his old beats. Now he lives in San Diego, a rough life he's got going on there in Calvering, uh, not only the Padres, but also the national scene. We'll talk with him, though, at about 10.30, get into the latest proposal from the player side that came out yesterday, and certainly plenty to get into there. NBA, NHL, they continue to inch their way back. We found out earlier this week the 2014 proposal from the NHL. Now they have to figure out where they're going to play that. And some different ideas of the NBA, we'll talk about that. As well, 11 o'clock hour, 11 o'clock it will be Governor Kim Reynolds, her press conference as we bring those to you each and every day. That'll come your way right at the top of the hour and then we will end things off with a look back at our series of great teams in Iowa history, both Iowa, Iowa State. We've done some Drake and you and I today. We go back to 2004, the Iowa Hawkeye football team. Ross, I figured this would be one that would be right in your alley. I need this because uh, Mark Freund reached out to me and had me help out with the gut punch thing oh, that they're yeah, doing. Yeah. Man, that was and I'm, I'm, that was literally painful. It hurt by the end of that. Because we sat down for like, I, don't, I was with Mark for like an hour and mm-hmm. talked to him. Um and went through like the sixteen most painful moments, and I they even, not even that TC because I felt I even brought more up because mm-hmm. they didn't have the twenty ten fake punt. Oh no, Th- that's that when they said gut punch to me, I was like, well, that's the number one like, program well, not, trajectory. I yes, where and Wisconsin just, has been the last decade compared and just to Iowa. Being there in that moment, mm-hmm. that uh, he's saying it. See again, man, like it makes my stomach hurt. 
so I need this is going to be good. Good, it'll uh, be gonna, a good I palate need, cleanser for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. To remember that season, remember I have such good memories of that. I wasn't a season ticket holder in two thousand four. Oh, okay, uh, but I was working for WHO, mm-hmm. so I was running the board when Tate Holloway happened. That's awesome. Uh, and so I mean, I have great memories of that season and uh, helping out Zobel during those times mm-hmm. with sound off and um, John Miller, and it was I had. Fun season. So, yeah, I'm excited to do that. The last Big Ten championship for Kirk Ferentz's program. We're talking 16 years ago. They made one appearance in Indianapolis, yeah. but other than that, not a Big Ten title in 16 yeah. years. And if you would have said yeah, that had, after had 2004. I had that really good memory in my head. Then you had to go ahead and set, bring up. <laughs> but if you would have said that after 2004, uh, A, you wouldn't think Kirk Ferentz would still be there. 16 right. years without a conference title. After doing it in in year five, six, mm-hmm. yeah. 2002 and 2004, two titles in those three years. Oh, geez, I, yeah, he did in three. Yeah, and, yeah. and in, wow. in the middle, you had the ten, first 10-win season and New Year's Day Bowl victory against Outback Bowl uh, against Florida in 2003. So it felt like at that time that program was ascending to different heights in preseason top, 20, top 10 team in 2005. But that'll be for another day today. I'll look back at 2004, excited mm. to do that. But, Ross, I wanted to start with you here today. And as I mentioned, baseball. So I'm sure you, yesterday, well, probably not on the boat. So you're fishing yesterday, is that right? Day so, off and yeah, a fishing day? Didn't have, okay, I need to clear a few things up. <laughs> okay. Yesterday was my mom's birthday. Uh-huh. Okay, so we I, we were getting together yesterday afternoon as a family to mm-hmm. try to do some sort of safe birthday party for my mom, who, as I've talked about, there's some things going on there. So we were trying to do that the right way, and I took the day off for that. Now, in the meantime, our friend Adam Bentz, mm-hmm. realtor with Charter House, one of my good buddies, he's helped me out a bunch as I've started this new new venture here. Um, Bensi invited me to go fishing with him yesterday up at Clear Lake. We left Ankeny at like 5.30. Okay. okay. Bright and early. So, bright and early. We were up on the river or on the lake, and we were off the lake pretty early and headed back into town. I could have got back for the show, but luckily AD was able to help me out. Chris didn't mind. And and then I felt bad because I'm driving in, and they're like, yeah, Ross uh, took the day off, and then we saw he was fishing today, so he's... Took the day off to fish, apparently. I was like, oh, crap. So Nothing I did, wrong with that. I did send AD a text that said, hey, I didn't take the day off so I could fish. Took the day off because it's mom's birthday. Just happened to coincide with an awesome day of fishing up on Clear Lake. Kevin Paul, a guy that's very well known in Clear Lake, uh, around Clear Lake, for he has a guide service up there. He took Bensie and I out, and uh, we absolutely slayed. Had an awesome day. Caught a couple nice walleye. Bensie pulled in a couple of uh, yellow bass. And then we went out and did something I'd never done, which was cane pole fishing in weed beds mm-hmm. and just killed giant crappies. I it saw the picture awesome. of it. Uh, yeah, we were pulling slabs, man. And, and that's how we finished off our, our kind of morning, mid, mid-afternoon or midday uh, uh, fish, and it was it was a fun one, man. Had so you get to ha- hang out in God's country. You went up to my old stomping grounds yeah, up in North Iowa. You and uh, I've been to Clear Lake many a time. Everybody gets a everybody kind of makes that claim. Like Chris yeah, says yeah. the same thing about Southwest Iowa. I certainly feel that way about the Pleasant Hill Runnels area. Uh, you've got a good claim up there, man. That's a nice, that's a beautiful part of the state. It, it really is. Yeah. Clear Lake. Uh, now the Clear Lake kids growing up, that's who I always golfed against in pretty much every tournament. Those were the rich kids. The ones that lived on well, the lake. Yeah. Yeah. Those were the kids that you knew. They were going to go out there. They're going to have the newest technology. They were going to be the ones that had the brand new driver and the new iron set. 
and I show up in my beater set that I got from from uh, the the knockoff store. Yeah. That's what I'd be. The Clear Lake kids, those were the ones with money, but a cool place and Beautiful. really good. That a mental health day. Nothing yeah, wrong with that's those. good. Good way to put it. Yeah. So, I, so, but yes, to answer your question, I didn't really get a lot of news yesterday mm-hmm. when I was out on the boat because of that. So the Players Association on Major League Baseball they come back and say we already have said we will take a prorated salary, but that's it. We came to these terms. We accepted these terms where the owners say, well, when we came to this agreement, knowing that we weren't going to be starting the season on time, we also at that time didn't know that there weren't going to be fans in the stands. And we were not going to have that amount of money that comes in. The Cubs have maintained that 70% of their revenue comes from day-to-day operations, people coming to the ballpark. Now, I think there might be some fuzzy math that's involved there, but regardless of what it is, you know that that is substantial. After what we saw from the owner side, and then the comeback from the player side, where do you sit today as you look at it, Ross? Oh, man. This is so hard, Trent, because I see I see both sides of it. And trying to pick a side right now is really difficult. Right now, with the information that I, that I have, I'm on the player's side of this as far as the prorated salary. Mm-hmm. But the owners are... Oh, man, we have such this weird misconception about about franchise owners in this country. First of all, a lot of people have this thing about if you're rich, you're evil. Right. Yeah, and then yeah. and then there's another thing that's a, an even bigger misconception, I think, that is that these guys that are guys and gals and ownership groups that own these things that they became rich because of the franchises. It's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. These are passion projects. And you can't just bleed money. First of all, these guys are and gals and ownership groups are probably, like everybody else, losing money in all ventures. Sure, right. The stuff that allowed them to become franchise owners is also hurting. And they're, and they're focusing on that. And then all of a sudden you show up here and your little passion project is now also hemorrhaging money. <laughs> so we forget about what it is that a franchise owner is. They've been demonized because they're bajillionaires, Mm -hmm. and it's easy to go, well, you've got things I don't have, so screw you, right? Um, So there's a lot to... And I try not to do that. I I understand that the owners have a legitimate argument here to say, wait a minute, this is a business. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have the water flowing into the river, then we certainly can't open the dam on the other end. And so we we have to be able to, to... to move this as we go. I think the players have an argument that the owners are trying to take advantage of of a tragedy here. Yeah. And they see that they can they maybe lost out on some stuff in March and they can rework that negotiation table here as they go along and that's wrong also. And and so everybody needs to just kind of figure out where it is in the middle that it should be and then get there as quickly as possible because they both have a little bit of an of a of a beef here. Yeah, yeah. I, I can understand both sides. Yeah. I think if, if you had to choose, am I right? Because again, man, I almost talked myself into into believing the owners there, but I still think if you made me choose today, who's right here? I say, let's go with the players and let's get this thing moving. Because without the players, you can it, put it, players out there that aren't the same level and it's not right. going to be the and same the thing. And the prorated salary does seem yeah. like a decent thing to me. The owners are going to take a hit this year yeah. and they could take that hit and still main and because next year you're, we're we're back to normal and and I know that even as part of this plan it's something to kind of ramp back in to old normal, and I think that's the way to go. So yeah, 
players. Nearly $11 billion in revenue last year. Now, of course, there's expenses that come out of that, but there's never been a year. You know what? Overall, we made $3 billion as Major League Baseball, and we're going to give that back to the players in a good year. They never do that. So this one-year hiccup that there is, and we're hopeful that it is just a one-year hiccup, but being that, the player side, I think, has a strong argument. Prorated. We're not going to get our full salary. We understand that. They want to play 110 games to get as much of that prorated salary Mm. as they can. But I certainly... I didn't see that. I like that part of it. Yeah, 110 games is what they're talking about. Between July and October? Well, and that's the other component. And that's the part from the player side that I don't like. Because then you're pushing this end of the regular season into probably the middle of October. That means the World Series isn't going to be played until mid-November at best. I just don't know how tenable that actually is. I'm hopeful that my Twins are actually good, and they don't have to play your Yankees in the playoffs, and hopefully Yankees get bounced on the other side of the bracket, and it would work out really well. But Trent, I think it, uh, the New York, 80... Minnesota in middle of November for oh. a baseball game? No thanks. And I don't want to see my Twins finally make it to a World Series for the first time since 1991, and they're playing whoever from the other side. They're playing the Nationals. And it's in San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. Or Game Seven's the same night as the Big Ten Championship. Right, right. <laughs> to play it in December, Safeco. December tenth. It's like, what am I, am I watching? The Hawks play in the Big Ten title game because they're going to be there. They're going to be there. They're going to be there. So that's kind of the the back and forth that continues, at least in my mind. Huh. More than anything, though, Ross, you know it. I know it. We are part of a a generation that is aging, but the people younger than us, they're not into baseball. No. And the people that were excited to see something. And even, I've talked to a lot of people that aren't big baseball fans. They're not through the grind of 162. They like to watch baseball from time to time. They'll have it on in the background. But this is painting such a negative picture in a lot of people's minds. Billionaires versus millionaires. Just figure it out. There's enough going on in the world. We just want this distraction. I don't care how it's done. Just get it done. And it's getting to that point. It needs to be done quickly. If they really want to hit that start Fourth of July holiday oh, no. weekend, oh. you got to get going. You got to get players in camps. Is there a quarantine period as they get there before they start practicing? And of course, what it takes to get ready for a Major League Baseball season. All that is in front of them. And if they're going to hit that target date of Friday, July 3rd, they got to get going this week. They have to hammer out this plan and get it done before the weekend ends. Yeah, it, Trent, there's so many questions, but man, I, I, questions aren't a reason not to move forward, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, we can, they can figure this stuff out as they go. And it's a, you're gambling with a lot. And I understand if you think the first thing should be for the Sean Doolittles and the, uh, who was the other guy that came out and was kind of, uh, Snell? No. Ian, Blake Snell, yeah. Blake Snell. Okay, yep. I almost said Ian Snell. That was, that, that was another one. That yeah, was a pirate right? guy. Yeah, those, oh, yeah. Blake Snell, both of those. I, if you are concerned, Mike Trout, who's got a pregnant wife, and came mm-hmm. out and said, man, what do I do? It, it, uh, first of all, I don't want to obviously be around this and then come around my pregnant wife, but I certainly don't want to end up in a situation where I'm quarantined and miss the birth of my first child. Sure. And everybody should say, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That everybody you, won't say that, though. I understand, but I think that, it, you know, for the most part, if whatever... Uh, influence we have or whatever people that are listening right now that should be the response is if you feel that way good for you and go do that thing and be safe if you don't feel that way if you're not worried about this here we go okay green flags flying and we're going to start doing this thing here guys and and the questions like what happens when somebody gets sick well somebody's going to get sick it's a global pandemic Mm -hmm. somebody's going to get this thing and it's going to move through the locker room, and it's going to affect some people differently. And we know all these things. We will figure that out. 
If we got to quarantine guys for a couple weeks at a time, if that means we use this taxi squad and for a couple of weeks, because, again, we're talking about 14 days of quarantine or whatever. Yeah. If for two weeks you're playing with essentially a triple-A squad, then you're, then that's what happens. And that's and it is what it is, and that's what they've kind of built in a few of those provisions for. You know, one of the biggest things I think that has changed in the conversation of bringing sports back in this country and bringing the big sports back in the country has been that component that you mentioned. For the longest time it was, oh, somebody gets it. Sorry, COVID-19, you just shut down the whole league. Right. That was the conversation with a lot of people, yeah. and that was something that – it was difficult for me to wrap my mind around, but I remember early on, and we were talking about this in March, and when the NCAA tournament was canceled. Remember, Duke pulled out right away, mm-hmm. even before the NCAA made their decision saying, we're not playing. And it was that kind of thought. And now I think we have a lot better handle on what it is, what it means to quarantine, how it can affect different people and the people in close proximity, like baseball is, like base- basketball is going to be, and on and on and on. And And the other part here is we hear college football talking about 50% capacity, 30% capacity, whatever it turns out to be. Major League Baseball, let's say they come to agreement this week. And all right, we are going to get started 4th of July. That's when we're going to go. Does it allow anybody in the stands right away? Is it a slow trickle throughout the season? We'll open it up to 10% of capacity. And then we'll go to 20. And then yeah. we'll go to 50. And then, yeah. and then by the time we get to, say, late August, all right, we will allow as many people in that want to come in. Or at least initially is it, we're going to start these first two weeks with nobody in the building. It's, I think, a big hurdle that is there. And I would figure at least at the onset, nobody's going to be allowed in the building. Um, all right, so we're going to have some things to keep an eye on. We will get some precedent set for Major League Baseball. And it's being set by high school baseball here mm-hmm. in the state of Iowa. It'll and I know this. It's going to be set by dirt track racing, which is yeah. starting up, and Knoxville is going to start having. You're people fired up for that. June six. I love. Yes, man. It's so Iowa. Like going out to Stewart is one of the most Iowa things you'll do. You you you. The track is a tiny little bowl. It's just fun. The guys are banging around out there. I ne- in the years I was out there, I never saw a fight. Oh, really? the, never saw a fight. It's a really wonderful community of people, and you watch the sunset behind a cornfield as the as the races get started. It's just it's a really cool experience. I love that that part of it. You don't have to love it to understand what's going to happen here. They're going to open up Knoxville at fifty percent capacity. Okay, they'll they'll do the exact same thing. They're going to expand that, expand that, expand that. So Major League Baseball will have a few little indicators to see what this looks like as they go forward. The Korean baseball organization, mm-hmm. as they start to do this exact same thing, allow one one special fan in. I mean, they, think of what the 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 advertising abilities, the storytelling capabilities that are there for allowing 15 people into a game, which you could do so safely. You could do yeah. 150. You could probably do 1500 in sure. a Major League Baseball stadium and follow every the the most nervous person's strictest guidelines because you've got so much space. And think of the stories you could tell there about who these people were and why they were selected and what their fandom has meant to the uh, to the organization and vice versa. And that would be a cool way to get it to get it going. And then you can do exactly what you're talking about, Trent. We're going to do 25% starting on July 30. Mm-hmm. We're going to do, you know, then August 15, we're going to try to do a little bit more. August 30, we're going to do this and just kind of stair step it to that point. Because you're right. If you're going to do 50% capacity in Jack Trice Stadium in late August, September, 
then why can't Major League Baseball be planning those same things? Right. And, and I think the financials are the biggest hurdle right now. That's where they are. I think everything in terms of gameplay, the way the games are going to look, I think that's all for the most part figured out on each side. There's still other things that are there. But the biggest part is the money part, and it's the unfortunate part when we talk about professional sports a lot of time, it comes into that. There will not be money exchanged at the high school level as we ramp up here just over two weeks away from the start of the high school baseball season and softball season. So, got to get your perspective for this. You're an East Sider, Des Moines East. Well, I, I grew up in Pleasant Hill, so Pleasant a lot of Hill. people will say fake East Sider. Fake East Sider. Up, upper East Sider, something upper like that. East. <laughs> a lot of words for it. Moving on up. <laughs> Different way to move it on yeah, up to right, the East Side. Right. Moving a little bit further east, but... Yeah. Des Moines Public Schools. I know you've been involved in a lot of different things with Des Moines Public Schools. My wife has taught at Des Moines Public Schools now for over a decade. And throughout the conversation leading up to the proclamation that high school sports will be, will be allowed back, my wife's perspective from the correspondence she has with the superintendent. Now, it's not like she's talking to him day in and day out or anything yeah. like that, but just what she gets in emails, the temperature of Des Moines Public Schools. My wife maintained throughout all of this that there was no way that high school baseball would be allowed to be played for the Des Moines Public Schools. Yeah. She, just, he, she thought it was a non-starter from everything that she heard. Conversations were had last Friday, and that's where the athletic directors, the coaches on the softball and baseball side talked with Ahart and the other people involved with Des Moines Public Schools. It sounds like, from some of the people I talked to, not only was it a very positive conversation, there were some contentious moments. There were maybe some voices raised at different times trying to get their point across. But more than anything, he listened. He listened to both sides. And and that's something that I think people were surprised about because he has maintained, he has been steadfast in Boynton Public Schools as a whole. They're already looking at, are we coming back in August? Are we coming back in September? And that's a big conversation that they're having. I'd call this an upset. It's an upset that the Boynton Public Schools, that North, Lincoln, Hoover, Roosevelt East, that they're going to be playing softball and baseball. And and for me, from my perspective, I think it's a great thing. I do also. Uh, you know, I, you hit it on the head, Trent. I love Des Moines Public Schools. Mm-hmm. I think that public schools are incredibly important. And I'd love to have that. I used to have this debate with Jan Michelson, so I've, I've sharpened my axe okay. on this one, okay? Um, it, I'm with you. I thought there was no way. And everybody I talked to said the same thing. Everybody who had a, you know, a finger on that door handle, if you will, mm-hmm. said, what's the temperature of that room? No way no these shot. kids are going to be able to play. And again, just to kind of play that, not even devil's advocate, but to try to understand that perspective. Because my knee-jerk reaction to it was, you got to let these kids play. What's, you know, do it safely, figure it out, but let them get out there and play. And then I got to thinking about how many families we were actually talking about. Roosevelt has a big senior class this year. Yeah, and a really like good team. A really good team. We're, I mean, it's like 20 kids, something like that. It's a huge senior class. That's a rarity to have that many kids at one school. But you do have that at Roosevelt. That's And that's my community now. Okay. East has a handful of seniors. Lincoln has a handful of seniors. North and Hoover have a handful of seniors. What you were really talking about in this community was about a hundred families. Mm-hmm. About and so think of think of think of the superintendent's decision here. You have a let's just say a hundred families from those five schools. You've got twenty kids at each one that stand up and say we have to have this season. This is it. 
we've we from the time the kid was six years old right. we've been playing baseball and now the last chance to do anything or our last chance to show a coach something or whatever it is please give us a chance a hundred voices against the thousands that could come up and say this is too dangerous what yeah. are you doing this is silly these are kids. There's no money involved mm-hmm. in this. In fact, it's going to you're you're going to you're going to cost the school district money right. by doing this because you don't make the money back by charging five dollars, seven dollars a head and getting popcorn and hot dog sales. Right. You that money it helps out certainly, but man, the lights go on at night and that <laughs> boom, there goes that money. <laughs> so it's a. Uh, it, I could understand why everybody that had had the temperature of that room said no way. There, the, it's going to be a resounding no from here. There's just this is a non-starter. I'm with you. This is an upset. I'm glad that they came to this decision because this is one I was hoping for. I know some of these families personally, and I know the memories that are going to come from even getting a handful of games. I think they've they've put some restrictions or regulations. I think yeah. is the right way to put it. Everybody that shows up is going to have to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I do think one of the un Uns, the unsung heroes of this thing are going to be the eight, the athletic directors, mm-hmm. okay, or they're called activities directors now. Sorry, uh, the uh, it'll always be Sec Taylor to me. Damn it, they're <laughs> act, athletic directors. They uh, the athletic directors are going to be the ones that are responsible for maintaining the social distancing policies, and that's going to be really tough. And that's going to be a really stressful thing. So anybody that's in, that that encouraged this, that wrote a letter. You better be the ones that are helping that athletic director do his job. You better be the ones that are thanking him as soon as you walk in the door and say, man, thanks for doing this. Thanks for putting this on. What can we do to help? And if he says, stay six feet away from each other, and that means you have to watch the game from the center field fence. Mm Mm-hmm. Say, Not going to have that same seat that you sat in for years. It's not going to happen. Yep, yep. And, And... that's going to be really hard for some people that are stubborn, that mm-hmm. are, have, are they're set in their ways. They just are, damn it, I want to watch my kid play ball from this seat right here. This is where he hit the home run. I was sitting here last year when he hit the home run. I want to sit here again this year. You can't. We, don't, we, we can't allow that this year. This is how we, these are the things we have to do. Because one of the things they said in there, Trent, is if a school is found not to be following the regulations, they, their season will be taken from them. That I, I mean, I, I'm yeah, certain I yeah. saw that in the DMPS thing yesterday. That was, if you know, if you don't follow these certain restrictions, they're not crazy. Everybody that shows up has to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Everybody that shows up has to stay six feet away from people that they are not already in uh, in a in a in a household with. There will be no concession stands. Right. So, do you even take? I mean, like. I'm, I, mean, I should reach out. I, I, the East Athletics Director, Activities Director, Lyle Fetters is a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. I should reach out to him and see, like, I would imagine taking money is going to be really difficult. Finding somebody to stand there that yeah. wants to yeah. take money from everybody that walks in. Do you How get do you do one that? of those credit card <clears throat> readers? Maybe. And, and is that something that you do just to at least slow down the, the handing back and forth of money in? Right, it's seven yeah. bucks, and here's a twenty, and so, you're getting change. And just think about these people. When we go to these things, man, th- there are a lot of people that are putting a lot on the line here for not very much return. Mm-hmm. And be courteous to them, and try as much as you can to help them out. Especially if you were one of the people that was fighting for this to happen. Sure, and it's coming back. Practice starts on Monday. You now is this is this for real? That's the preliminary schedule. We are uh, we're stacked up in there. I think. Uh, now, when I was doing this, 
I put a couple of city schools on there, but at the time that I made the schedule, I didn't think they were playing. So I'm going to get another East game in there, going to get a little bit more, but that is, uh, we're kicking things off. Game two of the doubleheader, Monday, June 15th, Waukee at Southeast Polk. We got Ankeny Johnston in week one, three games in the first week, Roosevelt, Urbandale, on and on and on. It's going to be great. And there's never going to be a season like this with the amount of people that are going to be interested in oh. high school baseball. We're gonna we've to, never seen anything like this. We're going to have to move the start time up on a few of these. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because there's no, yeah, anyway. You, you, you want to get, yeah, I, don't, I understand. Well, not, only, not, not just get out of here. I mean, there's no reason to <laughs> kick off a, you know, at 7 o'clock with some of this stuff, man. This is, uh, this is great. Excited. I'm, I'm with you. I couldn't agree more with all the stuff you said there. I'm happy that DMPS came to the decision they did. I'm glad they had open ears. I'm not surprised, man. That we, all, we do this with people all the time. We assume the worst. Mm-hmm. We assume these awful motives. We assume that people are stupid. Selfish. How do you think you become a superintendent of a school district? I mean, that's a really high-paying job yep. and a really highly sought-after position. No doubt. And a lot of pressure and that I, comes I, along with it. I'm not saying that the guy is perfect or has done – I'd agree with every decision he's ever made or even most of them. Mm-hmm. But you can't just be some dummy off the streets. Right. You can't be some geek off the streets, right? you got to be handy with the steel. <laughs> Earn your keep. Regulator. Tommy Hart. The regulator of Des Moines. (laughs) With that, we're going to take a timeout. Coming back on the other side, more baseball conversation. We'll go back to Major League Baseball talk with the national perspective with Scott Miller, Ross Peterson in for Ken. It's Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO at 106. Their family. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. FM, Ross Peterson in for Ken today as we take you up until noon. Got the governor press conference coming your way here to kick off the 11 o'clock hour. But right now, time to talk Major League Baseball. One of our favorites throughout the years to talk MLB with. He is Scott Miller from Bleacher Report, and he joins us here today. Scott, good talking to you again Normally, we'd be having this conversation right off of Memorial Day, you know, kind of that one-third point of the season, the schedule. We're talking about contenders. We're talking about pretenders. And now, we're talking about labor. What a time to be alive, huh, Scott Miller? <laughs> hey, Trent. Hey, Ross. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's, uh, you know, it's disheartening right now reading the comments and, you know, the the, the typical distrust between the players and the owners. Um, you know, I still think, despite the ugliness uh, public of the, you know, of basically the way the sausage gets made. I still think they'll come to a deal and we're going to have something this summer. I just think there's too much at stake not to get something done, but the, certainly the negotiations are off to a rocky start. Baseball as a whole, very contentious between the Players Association and the owners. And this is, I mean, we're going back 40, 50 years, the back and forth that has continued. It's also tells you the strength of the Players Association, but this back and forth. Outside of 1994, they seemingly have always come to an agreement, come to a deal. But for people that are looking at that 4th of July weekend to get things started, maybe Friday night, July 3rd, how quickly does a deal need to be made in your mind in order to hit that target date? To hit that target, and the clock is ticking, I mean, today is May 28th. Um, you know, they, they probably need to have a deal done by the first days of June, you know, June, you know, say by the 4th or 5th, uh, in a perfect world, they would, teams would 
resume spring training, spring training 2.0, um, you know, sometime around around uh, June 10th or 15th, somewhere in that time range. And, um, you know, because they're going to need close to three weeks of spring training. So, I mean, the clock's ticking. I mean, right now they seem miles apart, and you're talking, what, uh, you know, three more days in May. And, you know, basically by this time next week, yeah. they, they need to have something <laughs> hammered out. So we'll see if they can figure it out. You know, if not, uh, then every day after that, you know, it's just another day that spring training, the second part, get pushed back a, a few more days in the season, a few more days. I mean, the one area that they have to work with is the month of October. The, the, the way the owners have proposed the season right now, uh, you know, the regular season would be 82 games or so would still end by the beginning of October. And you'd have, you'd have the postseason in October, maybe spill a day or two into November, but not much, you know, the players, I think what they're going to propose, you know, they're, they're going to come back. The word is they're, they're going to have something for the owners tomorrow. And, what I believe they're going to propose is so that the pay cuts aren't so drastic. They would still like to squeeze in instead of an 82-game season or so. They'd like to get 100 games in or 110. And I think they're going to propose pushing the regular season back into October and then having the postseason in November as a way to play extra games. Now, whether that flies or not, we'll see. There's going to be a whole lot of back and forth. I do know the owners are worried about you know the 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 experts the health experts are talking about this fall sometime there likely will be a second wave of the coronavirus come through the owners are worried about you know they want to get the season in and the postseason in before that second wave comes through problem is nobody knows for sure if or especially when that second wave would come through and the owners view it as if they play postseason games deep into November, um, you know, that that's just tempting fate. Scott, it seems like a lot of stuff to iron out in a week there. That's a lot of heavy, <laughs> heavy boulders to move around. When we started this conversation, Trent kind of uh, asked me to, to, to pick a side on this. Right now, and you kind of lay it out there, but right now, if you had to say who's going to get more of kind of what they're wanting by the time we, we get to play baseball in July, hopefully, who is it, players or owners? Yeah, it's a good question. It's impossible to say for sure. I mean, I would say the players usually get most of what they want. Um, historically, that's been the case. Now, the, 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 the issue right now and the issue for the distrust is in the last collective bargaining agreement for the first time in memory, maybe ever, it looks like the players got schooled. They feel like um, since the most recent collective bargaining agreement has come through, that the game hasn't worked for them as well as it should. Uh, the biggest example of that is free agency. Last winter, it was somewhat normal, but the previous two winters, you know, as you guys well know, because you've talked about it so so much, I'm sure, previous two winters, you know, free agency was just at a standstill. It, it just didn't move. It didn't take off. And and basically, the players feel like the owners have moved analytics into the game, and all 30 teams now evaluate players in a similar way. And if you're over 30, uh, you're on the downside of your career. And, you know, the big thing, two, two, two huge issues where free agency is concerned, number one, um, 
you know, traditionally uh, the players first five, four or five years in the game, the players have been underpaid because they're basically owned by the teams. And you might come on as a 24 year old rookie and have three or four great seasons. And you've been historically underpaid and then you hit free agency. And then that's when you get overpaid. And so in other words, in the long run, it balances out. Well, now under the, you know, analytics, Owners don't want to pay anybody over 30, so the players are like, we're underpaid early. And then when we hit free agency, there's nothing. And, you know, they also accuse the owners of with the rebuilds that have become popular the last few years. Uh, part of what's killed free agency is is competitive imbalance. They're, you know, every year there seems to be five or six teams that don't even dabble in free agency because they're stripping down to rebuild. So that's from the, those are the biggest gripes from the player side. That's where they. That's what could make this different. They've, as I said, usually get their way, but they ha- didn't in the last CBA, and now they feel like you know they they've got a chip on their shoulder, and that's what drives their distrust. Scott, uh, one other thing that we bandied about for a while is what it's going to look like in terms of bringing fans back into the stadiums. Uh, say we get through this, we get the launch. It's happening sometime in July. Initially, do you see any way in college football, there's been so many proposals about how many fans are going to be allowed in, 20%, 50% capacity, whatever that's going to look like. Is it going to be a gradual step up? How do you think they're going to play through that and, and work through that as they make their way back and getting people, and with it, the revenue that comes having people inside the stadiums? Yeah, that's the thing. Um, I, I think Nobody knows that that's what also makes these negotiations difficult because the owners are saying, look, it's a bloodbath, how much money we're going to be losing. And you players need to share the burden of all the lost money. And the players are saying, you know, look, we've already negotiated. We're already taking salaries at a prorated uh, place. As far as the fans in the stands, if they could get, you know, even 25% of the stadiums, uh, you know, full such as it is, uh, that would mitigate some of the losses. But the problem is, as I say, baseball's taking its cues right now from the public health officials, the CDC, uh, you know, the Dr. Fauci's of the world, and nobody right now is willing to say, you know what, we're going to be good by, say, August 20th, and you can have some fans in the stands. So that's the big unknown, and that's what hangs in the background of these negotiations as well. Can I ask Scott about his uh, his latest article that I, I, I just found yes, here? Scott, absolutely. Man, talk about a headline. Like Esteban Loise's career, not even career, his life is beyond fascinating. I'm just going to read the, 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 one of the, the headline here from your, your latest piece on Bleacher Report. Esteban Loise's wrong turn. The two-time Major League Baseball All-Star had it all. A career worth millions, the love of a country, and a marriage to an international music sensation. So how did he end up broke and in federal prison? It's amazing, Scott. This is fascinating. I am really excited to dive into this. Uh, this guy is um, incredible. How Can you kind of walk us through what made you decide to, to dive into Esteban Loiza and what this was like to, to get behind the scenes with this guy? Well, um, I appreciate you bringing that up and saying that. Yeah, that literally just posted about an hour ago. That That is brand new today on, on Bleacher Report website. Um, a couple things. One, I mean, just on the surface, it, it, people forget, you know, Loiza, you know, he pitched 14 years in the majors, eight different teams, and 
in 2003, he started the All-Star game for the American League. I mean, he was the starting pitcher. Uh, and, and at the time, he was pitching for the Chicago White Sox, and the game was at U.S. Cellular Field. So not only did he start, but he was at right time and right place. He was the hometown starting pitcher for the White Sox. And um, all these years later, you're right. You know, he got busted two years ago for, you know, he had 44 pounds of cocaine in the trunk of, of uh, an SUV in a stash house he had rented. And now he's doing time in prison up in Seattle. And, I mean, just on the surface, it intrigued me. You know, how do you go from starting an all-star game to, like, running drugs over the Mexican border? Um so the story took a couple quick, a couple twists and turns. The Reader's Digest version, the original thought, I was hoping to go see him in prison and sit down and have him tell me his story. Well, uh, he totally, he doesn't do many interviews, and he, and, and he stiff-armed me. And I tried to talk to a brother and sister, and the family, as you can imagine, and it's understandable, the family is... Uh, you know they they're bunkered down. They 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 don't want publicity, but still, the story's fascinating. You know, I talked to a number of baseball people. I talked to some other people close with the Loiza family, and kind of got the, the picture of what happened. But th- this guy is a uh, you know, like you say, he 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 was married to an international singer Jenny Rivera, superstar. Uh, is Loiza's agent John Boggs told me they at the time they were like the A-Rod and J-Lo of Mexico. He was a Mexican hero. By the way, he to this day, his 121 career wins rank second to Fernando Valenzuela among all pitchers from Mexico. Um, but, yeah, he's had a crazy career. When he was with Texas, uh, he was married. He had an affair with Pudge Rodriguez's nanny. Um, I talked to Pudge Rodriguez a little bit about that in this story. There, there's some wild twists and turns. It's fascinating. That is great. I am looking forward to this one. Yeah, Scott, I, I saw you texting me right before we came on. This is one to <laughs> dig into this afternoon. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to getting baseball back. Hopefully we'll have some more news as the week progresses and into next week, and we'll find out when we'll able to be able to see these Major League Baseball players back out there on the diamond. And we'll be reading you up Bleacher Report. Scott Miller, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Scott. It was great. Trent, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Scott Miller, one of uh, my favorite conversations we have throughout the baseball season. We get Scott on from time to time, and a wealth and a depth and breadth of knowledge that he has of the game, which is certainly great, but... This is the other thing that he does so incredibly well, and I remember this for his years at CBS. Yeah, he'll tell you what's going on in baseball, but these kind of stories and the storytelling that goes along with it, Esteban Luiza, $44 million in career earnings, 44 pounds when, of coke. When can we get the behind-the-scenes story of that Rangers clubhouse, man? Oh, man. Pudge... Seiko, Rafi Palmero, Rafi Palmero, and whatever was going on with there's Rafi a thirty Palmero. for thirty. I'd watch that one. There are so many rumors about Rafi. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the 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 Cubs one. When I was a kid, there was always the thing about him why he got booted out, uh, booted away from the Cubs, and then the steroid stuff. But then, like that entire locker room. Yeah. So Esteban Lewis, that's. Fantastic. It's it's a good one. I'm what looking forward to it. What an amazing story. Yeah. And 40, do you say 40 pounds of cocaine? 40 pounds. So, Street value, and half like, a mil. 
it, it, there's a long bridge to take you between two points of he was caught with 40 pounds of cocaine in a safe house in Mexico to he's in prison in Seattle. <laughs> That's a really good point, yeah. So, how, how does I, it get to there? <laughs> yes. That, oh, take man. that walk with Scott Miller on Bleacher Report. The good stuff there. Thanks to Scott for joining us. We're going to take our final time out, come back with our final segment of our number one. Still plenty to get into. Mention Governor Reynolds, her press conference at 11 o'clock. And later on, we will look back at 2004, the Iowa football team and our Roshan Corporation, great teams in state history. That's coming your way at about 11.35. But next, I'm going to tell you a story of turning my ankle. Just turned 40 a month ago, and I am feeling old. The creek got me. I'll tell you about that on the other side. We continue. It's Miller and Cotton, Ross and for Ken, 1460 KXNO and 106. Miller and Cotton back with you here on a Thursday, taking you up until noon. Ross Peterson in and Spinning the tunes over here. I, I need to play some Candlebox coming up the next hour to show you your absolutely awful take a week or so ago during Fanatics that yeah. Candlebox was a one-hit wonder. Come now, on. does Candlebox, they're also the one, they sing you, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And Far Behind. Yes. That's, so they can't. you're not a one-hit no. wonder if you have two hits. Oh, they, they have six, seven, eight hits. Well. I always said if I had a big a birthday party, I'm going to have Candlebox come play. Probably... Outside of the Pearl Jams, the Nirvanas of that era, Candlebox is way up there high for me. Are all of them alive? It's <sighs> a great question. Because to have a band from the 90s mm-hmm. that didn't have a, a member OD, yeah. you're in rare air. Lane that Staley, gets... Allison Chains. Yeah, I on. mean, it goes Kirk on Cobain. and on and on and on yeah. and on. That didn't die. I shouldn't just say OD. Like, that didn't, did, didn't die. If you got all your dudes, good mm-hmm. luck, man. Get out there. Make that money. Are they still doing birthday parties? They're they're touring. They uh, broke up from 2000 to 2006, but back together again. Thank God. Candlebox, man, what would the world have been if they hadn't come back together in 06? What a time. That huh? reunion tour. Five members currently. There are Uh-oh. nine members what? that were formerly with them. Wait a minute. There's been well, a lot of change. Isn't, this isn't good. <laughs> been a lot of change. we got to find out what happened with the four human beings here, DC. Oh, hey, man. you know what? Slipknot changes over all the time, apparently. Yeah, yeah. I, didn't know. I, what? I don't know. You know those guys? No, no. Figure your Des Moines connections. You'd be able to. Here's the deal. I used to live across the street from Anders Slavneg. Something like that. His last name is a weird one. Okay. But if you're a Slipknot fan, you know that name because he was the lead singer before Corey Taylor. Oh, really? So okay. he was kind of like one of the founding members of Slipknot, mm-hmm. and then they brought Corey in and things blew up, right? So Anders was my next-door neighbor for many years. Wonderful guy. Absolutely awesome guy. Had sweet Halloween parties. Oh, I can imagine. It sounds right up, right up there, Ali. When so- he moved out, he gave my son a bunch of these giant cardboard cutouts. You know, I have the Joker one down yeah, by yeah, my yeah. desk, and it scares the crap out of people. Right? Uh, yeah, he gave my son a, all of these different huge movie cardboard cutouts. Yeah. Awesome people. That is awesome. Well, hey, I met you going into the break. Feeling old. Feeling real old today. Yeah, you said you ro- ro- hurt your ankle? Rolled my ankle, I, I believe. So... And the stream got you? Yeah. So there's a creek right by our house. We live in West Des Moines over by Jordan Creek. Okay. And it runs right by our place just a block away. My daughter and I go down there all the time, pretty much during the pandemic. 
every afternoon when I get yeah. home. What a fun thing to do. We go for a walk. She splashes around. I get in there. The creek is three inches, you know. Okay, do you go barefoot? Do you Sometimes. Have, do you have water tennis shoes? shoes? Yeah. Do you just wear tennis shoes that you've 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 kind of uh, given to the gods yep. there? Okay. Sometimes a pair of flip-flops are the same kind of thing. Okay. Go down there. There's some rocks. It's not too bad. There's a couple of sandy areas around. But one thing we've been trying to explore a little bit more, some other areas. Find some different places to, to do some stream playing. Right. So found this website that had a list of different places around central Iowa. And we go up to Grimes yesterday to one of these places. And this area that you go, it's right next to a park. Kind of steep incline. Because of the rain, it was a little slippery, but it was okay. But my wife was working yesterday afternoon, so I had my son, who's nine months old, holding him, going down, and we walk across the stream a couple of times. Water was moving at a pretty good clip, but it's fine. Well, we're coming back down from the other side, mm. and as we were, getting a little slippery, holding mm. my daughter's hand, my son holding him up in the other, and my foot gives out. Stream, now, stream got you. Yeah, I, I know I'm going down, so I just drop right to my butt. Okay, just good. Just go down kept, that way. Kept, kept the baby safe. Yep, he's didn't, all good. Didn't hurt the daughter. So you, you did two good things there, yeah, TC. It, it kept was, the baby safe and didn't land on the daughter. Right, right. We were good. We were fine. Good but job. as I'm going down, my foot turns, gets all scraped up, but the worst part is I lost my flip-flop. So the flip-flop is floating down this creek, and I don't even remember this part. My daughter was telling the story. I'm hollering, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And she thought it was one of the funniest things she had ever seen. Dad on his butt, sandal floating down the creek, holding the baby in the other hand. Probably wasn't the best idea. How far were you from the car? Probably a good half mile. We had to walk back. Trail? It was a trail, yeah. It was a cemented trail, so we were okay in that part, but just shaking my head. Getting old, and now I'm hurting today. And that, the oh, yeah, because you fine. said you rolled the ankle. I, I think I rolled the ankle. I didn't even feel it until four or five hours later. Yeah. 40's not fun. Are you 40? Turned 40 last month. Why do you look like you're 30? Wish I was. You punk. Don't feel that way. Man. Bad ankle. I would tell you it only gets worse, but I won't. Governor Press Conference kickoff hour number two. Miller and Connick continues.